It's hard, but I would say that, um, so here's where I'd piece it together. Matt's five wins individually is obviously more impressive than Rich's four wins individually. But it's not just a matter of that. Matt's five wins are substantially more impressive than Rich's four individual wins because he was in a more grown-up, matured sport. Yep. And the competition was much stiffer. And he won by a much, much bigger margin. So now that you have Matt's like really – um, superior to Rich's there. Then you have Rich's supreme dominance over a decade. Oh. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing, never Stop. Hello and welcome back to Chasing Excellence. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing very good, Patrick. <laughs> we are jumping back to our Hopper Talk. Hopper Talk is relatively new for us. I think this is the third time we've done it. And it is really our excuse to have a little bit of fun and answer some very random questions mm -hmm. uh, and 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 have a conversation that I, I think so far people have been responding well to it. So I uh, have a conversation that's a little bit lighter um, and maybe uh, exposes uh, different areas of our thinking that we don't usually get to <laughs> for sure on this podcast. Um, and so these questions, I think we've got, I don't know, 12 or 13, very random. There are some CrossFit ones in there. Other than the CrossFit ones, I really just kind of Google around for fun questions to ask. Um, so that's where these come from. They're just random internets. Um, and then we're going to take turns, kind of bouncing back and forth and seeing what we think of these answers. Cool? Cool. All right. So the first one is a, is a CrossFit one. If the CrossFit Games turned into a Royal Rumble, who would come out victorious? I'll let you go first. And maybe just for the three people who don't know what a Royal Rumble is, maybe maybe explain what that is. Well, my my take on it is like everyone gets in a ring and it's the last person standing in the ring. You're like, who I think gets, that's roughly it. Who can throw the other people out of the ring, right? Isn't that what a Royal Rumble is? I think that's roughly it. Yeah. Like it's w, like WWE, like yeah. F when it was yeah. that. Now it's e, WWE. W, yeah. yeah. There'd be like 30 of these juiced up guys in costumes. And it was like the last guy standing in the ring was the winner. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like it was King back in my day, it was so. like, oh yeah, it was always Andre the Giant. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, CrossFit Games turned Royal Rumble, which would be awesome. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. Dave Castro. Uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, one of our very own, I would go with Chandler Smith. Ooh, you know, I thought of him too. Yep. So Chandler is, here's the reasons why. Um, Chandler is an absolute monster. He's so strong, arguably the strongest guy in the field. Mm. Um, he's got a, a, a bit of a screw loose. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and he's a division one for West Point for army. Um, yeah. A very high level wrestler. And he's been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu at a high level mm. and had some like little forays into MMA. So for all of those reasons, I believe Chandler Smith wins the CrossFit Royal Rumble. Yeah, I think those are all very good, uh, very good reasons. And that's interesting. I didn't know. I mean, I obviously know about Chandler a little bit, but not, not quite that much. Yeah, that's a good answer. I'm not sure I have anything. I think the thing to me that I started really thinking about is, is, an, is an environment like that, the Royal Rumble type thing. You know, and you just you just kind of hinted at it, like the kind of little bit of a screw loose. But it, but even more than that, might be like you've got to have a 
what we've kind of talked about before, it's kind of that killer instinct or that, that, that mentality of, um, win at all costs, right? The kind of thing that I think maybe uh, Fraser has and other guys, you know, other athletes certainly have, whether it's Jordan or Kobe or, or any number of other, like you just see them and you're, and you're like, oh, that guy or that gal is not going to stop until they can't move anymore, right? And so I started to think about what games athletes have that. And I actually, I think it's, 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 it's a question I would throw to you is like who outside of Matt, I think T has got it. I think Katrin has it. Um, cool to hear that Chandler's got it, but like, I'm really curious what other athletes, when you watch them have that thing, that's like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yep. He he's figured it out or she's got it. like, I think of Sam Briggs. I think Sam's got it to a degree. Right. Um, but I don't know now that Matt's out of the field, uh, I'm kind of law. I'm kind of left wondering who's gonna step up and have that and demonstrate that. All right. So if Matt's in the field, you're taking Matt. I think he's got as good a chance as anyone. Yeah. yeah. And then, all right. So I like your, and then on the female side, who would you take? Um, I think T has developed this over the last couple of years. Obviously it's, it's been shown in her results. Um, and so I'd probably throw her up there as well. I, again, just thinking about it as the, like, who's got something in their head that when it's time to go, they, they find a different gear. They find it. They find a way to um, motivate themselves might not be the right word, but motivate themselves to to push through in ways that other people don't. Um, I'm just going to go with on the female side, I'm going to go with it's um, either Sam Briggs, which I like that mm-hmm. call a lot. She'd be definitely on my zombie apocalypse team, mm-hmm. or I might go with um, like Laura Horvath. I think that size mm-hmm. just matters so much yep. in this. Andre the giant yep. used to win. So like, I'm going to pick one of the bigger athletes in the field. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think that's right. I think those are good answers. All right. Next one. <laughs> would you rather be a super intelligent, but, uh, would you rather be super intelligent, but a huge a-hole mm-hmm. or insanely kind, but also incredibly stupid? Okay. You go first. I think I've stared at this one more than any of the other ones in, on this list here. Um, God, I hate to answer it, but I think it would be super intelligent and a huge a-hole. Oh, whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Talk I, me out of it. This is a, okay. I, I will talk you out of it. Here's how okay. I'm talk you out of it. Um, if you were to have one either, so take it, take yourself out of it yep. and have somebody else you that you're going to spend a lot of time with. So you're going to go into business with this person. Or this person's going to be in your CrossFit class, or you're going to coach alongside of them, or mm-hmm. they're going to be in your peer group. You're going to socialize with them, or they're a member of your family. To me, it's like once you kind of like put it into someone else's court, I would 100% take the um, the dumb but insanely kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's – you're going to navigate the world, and to me, it's, it's, what it, it's these relationships that we're building along the way – matter so much more than anything else. And I think that spending time with a um, insanely bright, but asshole, it like just, it's an energy drain. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing worse in the world than those combinations. Um, it's super arrogance. They're going to zap your energy. They're probably going to demean you. So um, for that reason, I would rather be mm. the, the, the dumb, but kind one. 
<laughs> and and I struggle. I heard this one too. I struggle with this one a lot. I love this yeah. question actually. This might be even like a job interview question for me going forward, because um, I I struggled with it a lot. Like this was that was hard because um, I was like, oh my god, please somebody talk me out of this. And the more I thought of it, I, I took my I I I, I only when it made sense was when I reciprocated and I put myself yep. on the other end and yep. I'm going to hang out with this person. Yep. No, that's a good way to think about it. And I hadn't thought about it that way. I think my, my only counter to that or my excuse for maybe keeping my answer, which I don't know if I will now is it, I promise that if I am a super intelligent, but huge a-hole, I'll just keep to myself. I'll just, I'll just go, I'll just find a place to go and I won't, I won't interact with people that much. And I'll, I'll try to write yeah, but then you math miss, theorems yeah, or something. Then you miss out on the number one factor of what it means to be a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe, and I'm okay with it because I build something interesting or do something interesting or have a thought that nobody else has thought. I don't know. Cool. I'm, I'm going to think about yeah. it. More. Next one. If you built a themed hotel, what would the theme be and what would the rooms look like? Uh, okay. So I'd actually like to do this. I honestly, yeah. like this would be, this is like something that's on my radar and it's, it's totally in line with what we talk about all the time, but it would be, we, I would not call it this, but we'd mm -hmm. come up with a much snazzier name, but like a health hotel. Cause that's yeah. a horrific name. That's a terrible name. Oh my God. <clears throat> um, cause it almost sounds just like, okay, isn't that a hospital? <laughs> they should they should hospitals should rebrand to yeah, health, hotels. health hotels well actually that's actually they should and they would treat patients differently because yeah. well actually what they'd realize is they're not in the business of health right they're in the business of repair they're in the business of taking sick people and getting them back to something but they're, in the, they're not in the business of keeping people healthy right um and that but that's what my hotel would be it would be in the business of keeping people healthy and what was the second part? Like, what would a room look like? Yeah, what would the room look like? But so it would be like it would be decidedly and intentionally low tech. Um, it'd be very uh, nature inspired. I, I imagine it's something like on the coast of the you know the jungle and the ocean of Costa Rica type thing, yeah. and um, where you're getting this incredible you know healthy meals, and you know it's all set up for the the five factors of health where you're optimum sleep environment and um you know you're you're doing the appropriate and amounts of spiritual or meditation and um you know the the nature excursions slash adventures or whatever it might be and um coupled with a good exercise and social and all the rest mm -hmm. um but that's something i would love to like that's yeah. It's like the next iteration of a CrossFit gym, right? It's like, yeah. can you get people to live this thing? So it becomes, mm -hmm. instead of the best hour of their day, it becomes the best um, week of their year. Yep. Ooh, see what I did there? That's, that's good. How how different would it be in your mind from like, you know, a resort in, you know, fill in the blank in, in one of those spots, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jamaica, go to Jamaica, spend, you know, all inclusive, et cetera. What would you, what would, what would be substantially different in a, <laughs> in a health hotel than, just at a nice fancy resort. Yeah. Um, so I think a nice fancy resort is set up around like really elegant dining, um, yep. drinking, and then just sitting by the pool or on the beach. And this would be much more, um, uh, I'm hesitating in the words, but prescriptive, not being the right mm -hmm. word because it would have to be fairly loose. Um, but it would be set up with the intention of creating better health practices when you left. Hmm. I like that. Um, so it would not be just come and re rest and restore. 
which is what most vacations and hotels are. Come here and just relax and decompress and you know have a, a drink with an umbrella in it by the pool and soak in the rays. And it would not be that. It would much be much more of like, um, let's see if we can elevate you to another level of health and another level of understanding of what you could do when you left this place. That's cool. I like that. Um, I really like this question. It it harkens to a question that Seth Godin asks in, or or not a question, but uh, an idea that Seth Godin talks about in his book, This Is Marketing. And, and he says, as it relates to branding or marketing, if if Nike built a hotel, we already know generally what that hotel is going to feel like, what that's going to seem like, what it's going to you know entail. And that's the marker of a good brand. That's the marker of a, of a, of a strong brand because you can already understand, even if you don't know like what specifically what a Nike hotel would look like, you, you know, we can guess. And I read that and I immediately thought of like, I can see CrossFit putting a hotel together, right. Or hotel yeah. chain or a franchise. Right. Cause again, I think the brand is strong enough. And so I, I kind of like where you're getting at. Cause I think it, it reminds me of that a little bit. Um, and I did think about that too, with this question, but I thought I kind of guessed that you would come up with that. So I wanted to come up with something different. Hmm. And what I came up with is, um, uh, and I don't know if this is a good name or, or like a health hotel, a terrible name, but a flow hotel, a hotel that you check into for three days, four days, five days, when you have a book to finish, a screenplay to write, a business plan to, to come up with, uh, uh, a heart, you know, uh, like a, like, uh, um, uh, a huge decision you've got to make that you need a lot of deep work in. And so a hotel built around deep work, built around getting, helping people get into flow, I think would be awfully, uh, awfully interesting and, and awfully valuable. Love that. Yeah. Right? Um, cut, away, imagine, cut away yeah. all the distractions, cut away all the, you know, even just the everyday life distractions, Absolutely. cut that stuff away. I like that. Um, the, the Seth Godin, um, you know, in terms of like, if you built a good brand, because it basically means like your brand can create a lifestyle. Um, and the obvious answer to that one that's, that's done this incredibly well is Disney, right? Disney took animation and literally yeah. created hotels out of animation. Um, so that's really cool. I like that a lot. Yep. And I like the flow aspect too. I'm going to insert that flow part into my health hotel. Good. Partners. Sold. <laughs> Next question. Are Matt's five wins, Matt Fraser's five wins, more impressive than Rich Froning's 10-year podium run? Back to CrossFit. Great question. Um, it's yours, so good great. for you. Did I make this question? Yeah, you sent it to oh. me like three weeks ago. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's, been, it's taking three years for this to come up. No, not three years. Three weeks. Oh, three weeks. Oh. Yeah, when we started. There's, there's the, my short-term. <laughs> great uh, question. Whoever thought of that great. question is brilliant. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoever thought of that question is a brilliant but a real asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my turn or your turn? I forget. Uh, I'll take it. Um, okay. Okay. So it's hard, but I would say that, um, so here's where I piece it together. Matt's five wins individually is obviously more impressive than Rich's four wins individually, but it's not just a matter of that. Matt's five wins are substantially more impressive than Rich's four individual wins because he was in a more grown up, matured sport. Yep. And the competition was much stiffer and he won by a much, much bigger margin. So now that you have Matt's like really um, superior to Rich's there, then you have Rich's supreme dominance over a decade. Yeah. Oh, which is, you can also say like winning the games as a team member might even be, you know, consistently because um, you can have these one-offs because you get on a super team. 
But Rich has changed his team over and over and over again and continued to dominate. And that's really impressive. So kind of for perspective in there, Rich's first games was 2009, which he finished second. No, nine was last one at Aromas. Okay. It's 2010 was his first. Yeah. Yep. yep. Up until last year's, which uh, he didn't compete in. So it's, a, but it's, he's finished in um, first place eight times, I think, and second place twice. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I think it's really, really, really close. But if I was, if I had a, 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 I think that the sport is centered around the individual. So I'm going to give it to Matt. Mm. Yep. That's a good way to, that's a good way to settle on that. Um, I think though, I think, I think, you know, it's everything you just said, but I think that the, if you, if you look at it first, I think the fun about it is, you know, you have to define impressive. And I think that one of those, one of the things that, like you said, that most impressive about Matt is that he did it at a time when it was harder to do. It was harder to, to win uh, that many times because the competition, I think, was a little bit stronger. But I think I, I lean towards Rich for a couple of reasons. One, and then you hinted at it, which is the sustainability of winning, I think is awfully impressive. Um, being able to be the top of your game even if that game switches and changes a yeah. little bit, I think is awfully impressive. And then I think the reason I, 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 I go with Rich is because the demands of winning across two different categories is not something that a lot of people can do, right? Like, you know, a lot of, I'm sure, uh, a lot of games athletes who at the, the thought of having to compete alongside another person would drive them nuts, yeah. right? The Having to rely on them, having to lean on them, have all these things. And the fact that Rich has been, Rich was able to do it individually first and then transition the things that were necessary of him and still continue to do that at a really high level uh, is really impressive. And then on top of it, his ability to find, attract, surround, um, cultivate the kinds of people who are also good teammates is not, I think, a skill that can be kind of just brushed off like the the that's that is a skill in and of itself to take disparate people to take people who are all hard chargers all type a's and help them or or lead them to being able to put the team first again i think that it's a different kind of skill it's a different kind of impressive but i think the the fact that he layered that on top of just being dominant on as an individual for so long to me equals more impressive. Yeah. It's a good one. Who would win Superman or Batman? <laughs> Next one. You die and go to hell. How do you know that that's where you are? Okay. Your turn. I like this question. Uh, the first thing that made me think about it in college, I wrote a, I, I did, I was a, uh, in college, I'd studied screenwriting in grad school too. Um, and I wrote a short script, uh, in college that I remember. And I, I remember it was, you know, it was as autobiographical as, it, as, uh, a, a scenario like this would, would allow for. And the, the hell was the main character was in a room surrounded on both sides by television screens. And the only thing on the television screen that he couldn't change, he couldn't alter, he couldn't do anything. Every screen was filled with figure skating. 
That is so not where I thought you were going to go with that. I love it. And I don't know if that's still my definition of hell, but it's it's not that oh far. And so that, that'll be my answer for now. I thought you were like clockwork orange on us. <laughs> no. Like eyes nope. peeled open showing horrific acts of violence. and <laughs> no, oh Figure skating that I can't turn off. That's amazing. That's such a better answer than, than anything I could come up with. That's why you're the creative. Mm. Um, all right. I will go with um, my form of hell is that like you can't um, – I don't want to say it's like you can't control your mind because I don't think that's – it's not, but like you can't grasp onto a thought. It's like it, mm. it just goes, it goes, it goes, it goes. Like there's no – there's no – kind of like what? Like a goldfish? Or that's memory. No, no, no. Because that's memory. Yeah. It's yeah. more like I just never get – it's like – Ah, ah, like, oh, oh, there, oh, ah, and like, you never get to, you never, I, I, I picture it kind of like, like a bad LSD trip. Like, you're just like, Mm. what, oh, like, you're kind of like constantly freaking out because you can't figure out, there's no like, um, um, narrative in your head. There's no, or there isn't, that's like, it's like someone just screaming at you and like, you have no control over whatsoever. And then it just moves, it moves, it moves. You never just get to moves, like plant moves, your moves, feet moves, into moves. anything. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like your TV thing, but it's like, it's like, const- <laughs> it's so fast that the screen is flipping so fast that you never actually like get to latch onto any, you can't remember that because it's like next, 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 next. It's all like subconscious run amok. Oh yeah. That sounds terrible. That'd I think be that's hell, that'd be helpful. figure me. skating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Next one. Who is the most impressive, famous person alive today and why? Uh, so I don't know a lot of famous people. So this, I'm going to be like t- pulling out famous people from the eighties. Probably is what usually what ends up happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if I think about impressive, famous people alive today, um, okay. So some ones that pop into mind would be like Oprah, mm. um, Richard Branson. Yep. Um, um, I'm going to like Elon Musk type thing, but I'm going to go with, um, uh, Bill Gates and, Mm. um, I'll do it because he, I think is more responsible than any single individual for like the idea of like, everybody has a computer, um, which I think is the most transformative thing that's happened in our century. Mm. Um, and then he's kind of like what you said, he's been super successful in two arenas. He's then turned his success to the most um, humanly beneficial endeavor it is, which is philanthropy, and created one of the most incredible philanthropic organizations the world has ever known. Um, And having massive impact and running it incredibly well. Um, And I know, like, there's probably people debate Bill. He like he started the virus and like all this stuff. I'm like, I'm. I just think he's like had amazing success and he's put his success towards good use. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And he's also helped, you know, I think it's called the giving pledge. He's also helped convince other, you know, billionaires to also, I know Warren Buffett has given, you know, a a vast majority of his net worth to Bill Gates because he trusts Bill to do it the right way. And yeah. 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 He's taking over like things that actually have real impact too. like, let's get rid of malaria in Africa. Let's bring, um, sanitation to these, um, shanty towns in South Africa. Let's bring, um, you know, I, I think he's worked really incredibly hard on literally on 
um, flushable toilets, yep. you know, because they was polluting waters and all the rest. Yep. Yep. I think that's an excellent answer. Um, I think when I think about this, I think all, everybody you mentioned is, is obviously right up there, but I think if I look, if I think about, you know, people, people doing it today, it's hard for me. I think, I think two people pop to mind, but I'm leaning towards one. The first is Jeff Bezos. Um, I don't think anybody's done anything in the world of, uh, commerce even close to what he's been able to to do. Um, but I think the one I lean actually towards it, which is kind of funny in, in, in maybe comparison with, uh, Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, but it's the rock. <laughs> and I think, and, yeah. and I think, I think it's easy to dismiss how is it because, it is. is it because he won the WWE Royal rumble? That's exactly it. Actually, that's it all it. comes back to the Royal rumble. <laughs> I think, I mean, if you look at what he does, he he makes movies that everybody loves. He starts or buys brands that end up being massive. He does it in a way that almost I can't imagine, and I'm sure people, I'm sure that there are people out there, but he does it in a way that it's it makes it impossible for him not to like him and root mm. for him. Yeah, which I think is hard to do when you're you are as big as he is. Um. And I think I, I just saw. He, I think he posted it actually, but somebody did a survey, and who knows? It's a, it's a survey and on the on, on the internet, but it said that like forty nine percent of Americans would vote for The Rock for president, and I actually think that that's true, and I actually oh, think that he'll probably be. he'll probably win if he yeah. were ever to do that. Which you know you can you can laugh at, you can scoff at, you can say oh how absurd, but we've elected movie stars before. I don't well, see why we wouldn't do yeah, it. Yeah. I was going to say like, it's a, a, a good parallel. He's kind of like the modern day Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yep. It's like to a degree. this, like, so the rock is doing it. He, he rock has now done it in like three or four fronts, right? He was, a yeah. he went to Wrestling. university of Miami yep. um, for Florida and played on a really high level Florida team. I think with Warren Sapp or no, with Ray Lewis, maybe both of them. Um, and then he became like the biggest guy in WWE they became the biggest guy in Hollywood. Now he's become one of the biggest business moguls. Yep. And it's your point. He's doing it all with like, he makes people smile along the way and he's really engaging. Yep. And he's not the best actor, right? <laughs> but he's like the highest paid actor. So there's something kind of interesting. I think it's a cool answer that people might kind of like scoff at at first blush, but mm -hmm. it's really impressive. It really is. Yep. The Next Rock question. for president. Rock for president. President Rock. Imagine that. So I always said, like, imagine, like, uh, I was thinking of this. I, I think it's super cool to have, like, imagine Clint Eastwood as the president and Oprah Winfrey as vice president. Like, imagine <laughs> that was the ticket. Yeah. Like, I they're getting. I might like try to like stock the ballots just to make that ha happen. <laughs> imagine Clint Eastwood like get off my lawn. I have a feeling that politically, Clint Eastwood and Oprah are at opposite ends of the spectrum, which would I, also make I it good. Like you should have both. You should have opposite ends of the spectrum. There you go. <laughs> All right. Next question. What needs to happen for CrossFit to be accepted into the mainstream? Uh, I think it's your turn. Okay. I think we could talk about this for a while. Um, <laughs> I think the, I think the first thing I would say is, does it want to be accepted into the mainstream? And I'm not entirely sure it does. Um, I would, I would also say that If you think about health and fitness, I don't know, and and correct me if you think that there is, I don't know if there is a mainstream brand or a mainstream methodology within the world, within the, you know, the very broad world of health and fitness. I think that there are, 
I think that there are things that are mainstream. I think yoga is mainstream. I think um, running is mainstream. And I think what we're entering into is an era where digital at home fitness is mainstream. But I don't know that, you know, what is the strongest brand in fitness? You could argue it's Peloton, but I don't think that Peloton is mainstream and I'm not entirely sure it'll ever be mainstream. Um, and so all that to say, like, this is a cool question. I don't know that it, it's even a thing at this point that CrossFit could become given the, uh, given our fractured, you know, uh, just the, the fractured nature of how we choose things at this point. But if it did, or if it did want to, and it was able to, I have to believe that one of the things that would need to happen is it would have to be part of, or a central part of CrossFit will have to be part, uh, will have to be embedded in the digital at home ecosystem. I have to make a choice between Peloton, CrossFit, um, Mirror, et cetera. That's got to be part of the mix for it to hit mainstream. And then the other thing, which I don't, uh, I wouldn't root for, I don't think anybody inside of it would root for, but I think that the model of CrossFit, uh, brick and mortar would have to move much closer to a franchise than an affiliate. And the reason is when things go mainstream, what it, what it is saying is, uh, the people who aren't willing to take a risk on something that feels new and like it might not work. Th that's when they say yes to it. That's when the mainstream happens. When people say, are able to say it's guaranteed to work, or at least as close to guaranteed as it can be. So therefore I'm going to say yes to it, right? We move past the early adopters or the very, or, you know, the late stage early adopters. And so for the masses to say yes to CrossFit, I think that the variance of what I get, if I'm in Texas or Massachusetts or uh, Brazil or whatever, I think it has to be leveled to the degree that as best as possible, you can guarantee that there aren't bad gyms, which means that there won't be great gyms, but there aren't bad gyms anymore. And I think that that's how it gets closer to the mainstream is if as a consumer, I can expect that the, the prog, the product that I get is going to be consistently good, probably not great, but probably consistently good. And I don't know that we can say that it is now with an affiliate model. That's a great answer, Patrick. Um, what was it? What was it? Can you re re restate the question? Though? Was it? What does it need to be to be mainstream? Is that what it was? Yeah. What needs to happen for CrossFit to be accepted into the mainstream? Okay. Um, oh, accepted in the mainstream. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I think it's really cool. Um, so then I think that there's two, I mean, these are all the hyperbole and hypothetical questions, but all that. Um, it's defining what mainstream is and defining what acceptance is. Without that, it's like we're talking, you're talking about one thing and I'm talking about another. Because um, I would certainly say that Peloton has been accepted by the mainstream. Mm. Um, like, um, and I'd say that they're well past that. I really like your um, um, quality control of more of a franchise than in a, an affiliate model. And I agree with that. Um, I believe that for the number, I believe the number one thing um, in order for, I, I, my answer before you said that, and I think that might be the first one because I think we can move a lot faster if we went in that direction. And I, if you, if you ask me, I'm against that. So frankly, um, I'm, yeah. but to be accepted by the mainstream, I do think that would be the number one trigger because you'd have quality control. You can say, this is the product. If the product is to a measure that people, everyone goes like, yeah, that's, I get it. Yeah. It makes sense. Like imagine if you had, um, a hundred thousand Peloton people that could all prescribe their own type of Peloton thing and their own technology. And 
it, it just wouldn't be as readily accepted. But I think that the number after that, um, I think the number one thing is um, a generation to pass by. Hmm. Um, our methodology works. Um, it is the prescription for fitness. That's not debatable anymore. The problem is that there's dogma and there's um, a legacy built into what it means to practice health, wellness, and fitness. And um, it's only when our kids grow up knowing and understanding this that the exercise science books will be rewritten, that the um, college courses that doctors take on nutrition will be rewritten. Um, and it's going to take a long time for people to raise their hand and go, <clears throat> we were wrong. Um, and um, it's basically, it's going to take until those people are dead, <laughs> honestly, or re at least retired for the new generation to come along and go, we need to rewrite this. This is not yeah. the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's interesting. I do think it's easier to mold a mind than it is to change your mind. Yes. And uh, younger people are Especially are in something like nutrition, right? And nutrition is, nutrition is, people don't understand this, nutrition is the number one thing of the CrossFit program. You know, our, you know even Greg Glassman has said, like, if you're doing thrusters and pull-ups, but eating sugar, alcohol, and processed foods, you are not doing CrossFit. Yeah. That is not what CrossFit is. Now, if you're riding a bike and doing sit-ups, but you're eating non-processed foods, um, enough to keep you fueled, but not enough to st uh, store body fat, that is CrossFit. So it is the nutrition above all else. And nutrition mindset is so hard to sway because everyone's an expert. Everyone's mm -hmm. been doing this thing three times a day for every, for every day of their life. So in order to change it, you know, the saying is it's easier to change someone's religion than it is their philosophies on nutrition. Yeah. So that's for that reason. It's our kids growing up with this and th going, this is the norm. This is it. Um, so I think it's going to take... A Take a while, but I also do like your idea of speeding things up. Would uh, of, of franchising would speed that up again? Yeah. I don't think that that's should be the goal, though. I don't think the goal is to try to get accepted by the mainstream. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Well, one question to you, because um, I think I think you're spot on. I hadn't thought about that generational shift, and I wonder if you think that on either the the kind of the regular front in terms of like CrossFit. Uh, affiliate methodology, all, all that, or CrossFit game side, do you think that kids are being um, put in a place where they can actually engage with these ideas enough? You know, one of the things that one of the things that when you look at sports, when you look at professional sports, the things that they do really well, whether it's soccer uh, or you know football or uh, baseball here, basketball, football, they have a substantive role element of youth. Such that I get to play when I'm four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then when I'm done playing at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, I'm the next generation of fans, and that's how sports, that's how professional sports, build their flywheel uh, to a large degree. Um, they get people hooked uh, when they're young, when they when they do it with their their mom or their dad or whatever. So, do you think just from your position of kind of being uh, across all of it, do you think that? CrossFit is doing a good enough job to bring kids in in not kind of like a tertiary way, like, oh yeah, kids love CrossFit games and whatever, but actually like building it in, in such a way that seven year eight, eight, nine, 10 will grow up to be 16, 17, 18. And this will be this, this will be as important as soccer is. Um, so to answer, no, I don't believe that CrossFit, um, headquarters, CrossFit LLC is doing, um, things, I'm not going to say enough or whatever like that. I don't think they're doing the things to make that flywheel spin. 
Yeah. But I don't think it's through the avenue most people – I don't think it's through the CrossFit Kids program. I don't think this mm-hmm. happens through affiliates. Okay. Um, to me, this is part of the, the schooling. This is part of like educating kids in the traditional educational set, which is they should be taking nutrition courses and not the 6 to 11 servings of whole wheat a day. Like not that. Like real – health and then gym class, gym class. This is what gym class should be. Gym class should be like, this is how to perform a squat. Mm-hmm. Gym class should be, um, what is your Fran time? Gym class should be, this is how you effectively press something over your head. That's what gym class should look like. And in gym class, the physical, cause remember what gym class, gym is physical education. We're supposed to be educating people on the physicality of life. And there's a massive gap there. Again, it's yep. going to take a generation. It's going to take until I, I say that there's some brave people that are allowing um, their gym instructors to be the mavericks, be the be the trailblazers. But it's so far and few in between. Um, if we're going up against, if CrossFit is going up against um, government education and the traditional health model, it's not going to win. Yep. We have to, and, and we you can't go like. All these like little CrossFit um, kids programs stationed all over the place is not going to win up against those three massive institutions. What we need to do is we need to infiltrate those institutions and change them from the inside out. So the things that are being disseminated, we don't have to reprogram things. Mm. I like that infiltrate. That's, that makes it sound dangerous. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Like I said, I think we could talk about that for a while, but we'll move on. Would you rather... Have a live-in massage therapist or a live-in chef? Uh, is this my turn or your turn? I think you can go first. I would go with the, the massage therapist. Mm, um, uh, maybe I'm – because um, I have a partnership with Paleo Power Meals. <laughs> so <laughs> I, get, do? <laughs> I, get, I get great, like, great, great, great prepared mm-hmm. foods. Well, I basically have that. Yeah. So anybody, I mean, like, honestly, like, um, Pale Power Meals doesn't pay me. They give me meals and stuff like that. But if any, it's essentially like having that. It's a French trained culinary chef that produces the most beautiful meals ever. I've had them three times a day for seven years and I still look forward to every single meal. And when I don't get them, I crave, they're so good. So I have it. So that's why I also do believe too, like, um, carrying around this, like the body work thing. And it wouldn't be a massage therapist. It would be somebody that could mm-hmm. like do like real body work. So it's not like a back rub and yep. um, you yep. know candles. It would be somebody that can like create – fix imbalances, um, um, make joints better, um, optimize the, 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 the mechanics of the body, um, help recover faster and all the rest. I just think that's – you look at someone like Tom Brady. And yeah, he eats well. That's a big th- part of it. And yes, he – he trains hard. Yes, and that's a big part of it. He also gets – he has a live-in person that does this three times a day. Yep. So imagine if you had that. Imagine if like three times a day, like all of your – everything was just kind of getting worked out. Anytime you're like, ooh, someone's like, I'll fix it. Like <laughs> it'd be, that'd be just like the coolest thing ever. I also believe that there's a big um, – you know, from the, um, the, the nervous system – and um, fight or flight or uh, rest, repair, and digest. Um, when you are getting body work done, as long as it's not like so painful that you're like crunching up, 
it puts you in a um, restorative state and you get put into the parasympathetic nervous system so you can rest and digest better. Do you think that if you didn't have the paleo power meals that your answer would change or do you feel like I you don't because I don't think that I'm not like a, I don't need gourmet food. I just want like food is fuel for me. Yep. You know, it's like, uh, give me some chicken, you know, give me, um, some salt and, you know, give me, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of good with that. I'm honestly like, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't crave food. Um, I, I just, yeah, I would say that it would not change. Yeah, interesting. I, I know, I know that's not. I, I think if you surveyed a hundred people, yep. uh, the vast majority would say the chef. Yep. Are you the yeah. chef? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love all your answers. No, I, I, I love your answer um, because I'm the same. I'm not. I, I don't. I don't particularly care about food. I don't. I don't crave food very often. I don't. The only thing to me. That time. sounds wonderful. Is just the time and the convenience. Yes, time. That's it. Um, which you've solved to a large degree with yeah. the, with the paleo power meals, right? Um, but that's it. That the time of, you know, prep, the time of obviously like the the cleanup, all that stuff, the shopping, yeah. all of those things. I would love that. You know, whatever it is, hour, yeah. hour and a half, uh, uh, back in a day. Uh, if if it's gonna be like the cleanup and the prep and the setting the table That's and what, all that. T- technically speaking, if you were to like hire a personal chef, and even if just like for a yeah, for that might or whatever, sway me a little they would clean it, up. It would it would create more, even more family time for me, yeah. right? Which is my top priority. Um, and it would like create more structure to the day, and I believe that like structure is discipline, discipline is freedom. So, 100%. yeah. Um, maybe I persuaded you a little bit and you, you persuaded me a little bit <laughs> back in the middle. Yeah. Maybe if we get somebody who could cook and do body work, mm. oh, is that, mm. does that person exist? Two specialists? Uh, if you find two that person and one person, don't let go. <laughs> Next one. You can only read one book for the rest of your life. Which book do you choose? Presumably you could read it multiple times, but you can only first. read it once. This is, this was hard. I'm not sure I have a good answer. Um, I'm not sure I have a good answer. The first one that comes to mind is seven habits. You know, you want to think about something that is. We'll stand that, the test of that, time. Yeah. That, well, that repetition makes it better. Yeah. Right. And you want something that, uh, you can't, you know, in some ways you want something that you can't ever get right, but that you all, that you can continually take steps towards mm. getting better at. Um, so it can't be a tactic. But, but what, you, be... what you've already gone to though is a nonfiction self-help. Yes. Like yeah. immediately without even like discussing yep. that. That's already totally. like, because some people might be like um, Harry Potter, yep. you know, the firm. Yep. Like, yep. Yeah. I think uh, you're right. I did. And I honestly hadn't thought about fiction. I might be able to think of one or two, but for me, again, if it's like, if it's, if it's really, this is the book you're going to read until you're, until you can't read anymore. Then it has to be something that is constantly that's that again, like I said, is, is I'm, you know, it's like chasing excellence, right? It's like, it's, it gives you the sense of what that excellence looks like. And it gives you a roadmap to get there, but you'll never get there. The, the process of continually checking back in and trying yeah. again and checking back in that to me. And again, I think there are lots of books that do that. Seven habits is one that pops into my mind. Um, maybe I'll think of another one. Uh, essentialism, you know, it's the, it's the books that we've talked about a bunch. Actually, what, what just popped in my mind is, is 
uh, the Daily Stoic Journal would also be mm. technically not a book, mm. but I think you probably would get more out of the process of doing that every day, say, mm -hmm. or almost every day for the rest of your life. I'm going to say that that doesn't count because that's not a book. That's a, that's a workbook. But you could go with yeah. the Daily Stoic. There's a book called the, the Daily, daily Stoic, Stoic yep. which is a daily... That's a good call. Yep. It's meditation. It's yeah, it's a, yeah. meditation. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. Add, you add you a could certainly just read that every year over and over and constantly be pulling stuff out of it. Yep. Yep. So I like that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll switch my answer to the Daily Stoic. All right. Then I'm going to steal your first one. Um, seven habits of highly effective people for all the reasons you just laid out. Yeah. I think that, um, you're as many times as you read that you're still going to continually pull stuff out of it. It's completely something that you're never going to be able to perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe that essentially not essentialism, but essentially, um, every other self-help book is just some sort of iteration or deeper dive of what's covered in that book. Yeah. Yep. I think that's right. Cool. Next one. Are the skills one develops playing video games useful in any context besides playing video games? Your turn. Yeah. Uh, I actually have, I have no idea because I don't play video. I honestly, I'm, yeah. I really don't know. Um, I would assume that there is um, in terms of like uh, dexterity of the hands and um, eye hand coordination um, um, in terms of quick decision making um, in terms of focus but I don't know how to draw those parallels because I don't know I don't even know what video like my son plays Minecraft so mm -hmm. there I do think that there's probably some things in there like he's figuring out how to navigate things and build things and structures and engineering. So uh, my first blush is like, I'd like to say no, because I could like demean video games even more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, there, there has to be some transference over to some things. I just don't know what those are. Yeah. Did you play video games growing up at all? Or did you even no. know then? Like yeah. Super Mario Brothers, like I got a Nintendo. Yeah. So Super Mario Brothers and Tetris. <clears throat> yeah, but that was about it. Yeah, I only played sports games growing up, yeah. so I didn't. I couldn't get into any of those like adventure games. Yeah, I think I'm with you because I'm obviously I'm in the same boat where I don't actually play them, so it's hard to, it's hard to judge. And it's and I'll, I'll give you a new word. It's hard to know if you're just not suffer. You're you're just suffering from juvenoia, where juvenoia is just the the um, predilection of older folks to always look back at the generation behind them and think that they're screwing everything up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's hard to know if it's not that, but what I would think, what I think about when I think about, you know, whether there's valuable transference from video games is I think, I think just like you, I think that there probably is there, ha there likely is to some degree, it's maybe hard to quantify. I think the issue is that now that video games are actually a, a massive, massive business. And I think where the trouble is, is when folks play video games, thinking that they're going to make money from them where the reality is, is that very, 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 very few professional sport basically are going to ever make money from them. And so they dedicate the time, the energy, the attention, the resources away from other things towards this, towards this idea of video games. But ultimately it's for not because the, the statistically the chances of you ever making money by playing video games is very small still. And probably could you say that same thing about any professional sport statistically? The, so yep, are they, are, are those people wasting their time? Um, depends. It, I, I think it depends. Is, do you, 
is there more clear transference from dedicating till you're 18 trying to play NBA, trying to play professional basketball? Is there more transference to life uh, than video games? And again, I don't, I, I just have, we, it's impossible for us to know. I think it's too new. Um, you could argue, you could argue it both ways. And I think I, I would, I would hear, or I would understand either ends of that. Right. And I'm certainly not, certainly not advocating for folks, not chasing things they're passionate about, things that, that have little chance of success, but that, um, that they believe they, they can break through like, cool, all for it. I just think that's what I start thinking about is, are we, are, are, is a generation of kids growing up playing video games, thinking that they're going to be the next esports star when the reality is, uh, that they're actually taking away from their chances of, of, of building skills that are far more likely, right? That the upside is far yeah. more likely than the downside. And I, I just don't, don't know what yeah. the upside downside is. I don't, um, so that's interesting because it's a direct, it's the same story for somebody trying to make it to the NBA and you're telling a kid like you're wasting your time. Like the chances of you actually getting the NBA are almost zero. Like, what are you doing? But then you go like, okay, but there's things that we can learn from this. Like you yeah. learn about um, how to overcome failures. You learn how to be a teammate. You learn how to um, dedicate yourself to a craft for improvement. You, te- you learn patience and practice. And as you were kind of talking through that, what, I, what there is transference over actually is mm-hmm. you look at this younger generation and how tech savvy they are. Yep. So they can navigate a computer and solve issues that none of us could – I still can't do, but my eight-year-old can do. And it's not because he went to engineering school. It's not because he went to computer programming school. It's because he games. Yep. And so now because he spends so much time, he's grown up with this, he's he can do these it. things. So he's comfortable with this. So the available opportunities that he has from a tech side, because he has that built into his quote-unquote DNA, it's yep. he knows. So I think it might be another – juvenoia thing yeah yeah i think i think it's too early to know for sure but yeah will be will be interesting certainly you it and could, I will... it certainly could have been the type of thing where um two generations ago people go why are you wasting all your time with this sport it's like get back to yeah. school like yeah. like you, you know what the chances of you being a professional athlete are <laughs> yeah like get back to yeah. your books yeah. yeah i'm sure that our kids will teach us uh in the next 10 or 15 years Next question. What business would you start if you didn't have to worry about the fact that you had absolutely no experience in that particular field or industry? Your turn. I actually really like the Flow Hotel, (laughs) 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 Um, which might be a cop-out because it it means I don't have to think too much harder. But I think something like that would be – I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. To build a franchise where, you know, in in any city – right? It's different than a – it's different than – uh, an Airbnb or it's different from a, uh, just like a rent a room, like, a, or we work, but it's actually something like built for, nope, I need three days. I need it to be quiet. I need to get this thing done. I need to disappear. I need to, um, I, I need be to inspired uh, inspired. Yeah. Focused. I think, I think as, I think as, you know, I think as the pandemic ends, as we all figure out what the new, you know, whatever the new life is going to look like, I think a lot more people are going to be working at home. And I think that I've I've done that for fifteen or twenty years. I, we were talking before. I'm in the middle of building a, a basically a shed in the backyard so that I can I can get some version of that kind of quiet. Your now own that I've got flow a couple, shed. Yeah, a flow shed. Um, now that I, you know, with a couple of kids running around, that gets harder. And I think that for lots and lots of people, the ability to just to go for two days, three days, whatever, 
again, turn everything off, be in an environment, right? We've talked a ton about environment and how important that is, but be in an environment that is literally built from the ground up to allow you to get into a flow state, to allow you to get creative, to focus all that stuff. I think, I think people would be willing to, to, to pay for that. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So that's two of your answers have that's, that means that you should go do this thing. It's kind of like if if two different people recommend the same book to you, you like right. have, you have to, to go it. read it. <laughs> it's like if if you can answer two questions about in the same. starting a yeah. business that are different yeah. questions and they're the same thing, you have to start that business. All right, good. I think the first time we did this, all of my answers have to do with sleep. So I'm, I feel like I'm just making progress at this point. <laughs> Very cool. Your turn. Uh, I would go with um, a helicopter ski touring, um, Ooh, helicopter ski, cool. helicopter skiing. Yeah. Yep. Because... That would put me in a flow state every single day. That's right. It'd be like, yep. I'd be doing my dream every day. Yep. So, and would you imagine yourself leading people through that? Like, would that be what, like, what would really fire you up? Not just somebody's building it and letting somebody else go do it. Oh, no, I'd be, would I'd it be, be like the, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> awesome. No, I, I'm going helicopter skiing every day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Last question we have for today What should be the legal drinking age? I suppose it's different all around the world. So, in the, in the States, it's 21. 20. 20? Yep. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't have a good answer to this. We've talked about before my, my, my bias against alcohol. And so there's a little bit of me that's like, never. Yeah. So <laughs> but there's also, but then there's also the argument. And prohibition yeah, exactly, is the worst which, thing possible. Which didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. didn't work. So my take um, is the opposite. Is like, why, why 20? Why only one year younger? I, I don't think we're that far off, honestly. Yeah. Like, um, but Anybody that wants to drink and is interested in drinking uh, by the age of 20, the drinking age doesn't mean anything to them. It's zero. It's yeah. just like – it's just enforcing people. It's encouraging people to break the law. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I might even make it um, 19. I think 18 is too young because you only have uh, in a lot of states like a year or two of practicing driving before yeah. that. And that's the biggest one to me is the gap between there. Um, and like in Europe, they have incredible um, – Transport, public transportation. Yeah. So that's why you can bring it lower because, and as the Uber thing comes up and as automated driving comes up, I mm. would be willing to revisit this and bring it younger and younger and younger. Um, and truly, if we get to in five years from now where it's all automated cars and no one even has a driveway or driveway um, or um, garages and no one even owns a car, it's just like it knows your routines and there's an Uber sitting in front of you and it's all automated. Um, I'd be in favor of like what they do in Europe, which is 16. Yeah. 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 All right. I just, right. I, I don't see like it, I don't see it making it harder. Like it's not hard for these kids to get alcohol anyway. Correct. Yeah. It's like, you know, my daughter's 20 and she's in college and it's like, she, she has a glass of wine with us at, on, on a Saturday night. Like it's, it's nothing, you know, it's so, um, I don't think moving it farther out, it helps anybody. All right, I'll steal your answer. I think taking away the stigma out of it might help. Yeah, that's true. Oh, but man, again, was, my 20 is where I'd start right now. All right. That was Hopper Talk. Let us know what you think of this. And, you know, I'll even throw I'll even throw it out there. If you guys have questions that you want us to answer, uh, find me on Instagram, P.S. Cummings. Drop me a DM. I'll add it to our list just for fun. See if you guys come up with any good questions. Uh, that would fit this format. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. They do help new folks find the show. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. 
You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.